The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. That's why you get into radio, so you don't have to study, right? Ex- exactly. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, I know all these songs. Wait a second. Hold on. Because you're you're only doing the 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 song rankings, not the album rankings. So it's uh, correct, okay. correct. We we wanted to get a little more content than just ranking the album, so we just went all in and trying to rank the songs, which you're kind of doing yourself too. So don't act like you're not taking on heavy projects either. Oh no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, I before I even started this, I had my album rankings, but now I'm re-ranking them as I'm going through with each song. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now it's all messed up. I didn't even, I didn't even have, they didn't even have Gigaton out when I started this. And so. Well, the, the, the way that your podcast is, is structured, every new release is more gold for you. That's perfect. Well, there's also a, uh, I guess a set end then, at least so far, unless, you know, new album comes out that I'm renewed for a new season. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm renewed. (laughs) Word came down from the network, renewed for another season. All right. We got another one in. Let's go. <laughs> I literally just finished my uh, my album rankings. I just finished it now. Wow. That's pretty cool. All right. I'm glad. I'm, that was a good <laughs> exercise. <for me. laughs> well, uh, and every, everybody knows it's subject to change from, uh, you know, mood. And if you listen to something a little bit more because you... Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, oh, we're ranking these songs again. It's like, oh, I'm listening to this album. I like it more than I thought I did. And it's, it's, tr- it's, it's, it's absolutely, again. it's absolutely true. And I, I actually, I try to be as objective as possible. So like for me, the difficulty is like Vitology is a fantastic album. It's, mm-hmm. it's, unex- uh, it's unassailable. However, do I ding it objectively? Do I ding it objectively for the, the creative flourishes in in the in the album like so do i do i ding it because pry 2 is is whatever do i ding it because hey foxy Ma, like that's not like to me that brings down my enjoyment of the song i never listen to that song so do i ding the entire album even though it is an iconic album and that's what i that's what i go through that's that's what i think about i try to be objective about it yeah you take you take those songs out of it and it's got like some of the best songs of their career right and it's like unassailable but then you put those little speed bumps in and it's right. kind of like oh, oh and if you're listening to it as an album or if you it, like literally if you have vinyl on that that's a time where i'm tempted to maybe get up and and you know push the needle forward a little bit mm-hmm. uh congratulations again like you said on the your 20th uh anniversary of uh oh at the, at radio, the radio station, station? oh yeah. thank you very much brandon. oh yeah no problem what- brandon i don't i that's a thing. I'm like, oh, oh, what is he congratulating me on? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years at DC 101 in Washington, DC. Yes. Are there people there have been lo- there? There has to be people there longer than you, right? Or Well, so there's a, our morning show host has been there for 23 years, mm-hmm. which, which look, that's a huge run. My run, again, trying to be objective is a huge run, but it, it, it kind of looks pale in comparison to 23 years in mornings. However, when you pull that lens back and go into the bigger concept of radio in general, oh, yeah. usually a run at a radio station is, is maybe five to, to eight years. So to get to 20 is something that, you know, you could pick out one, two, maybe three jocks in every city across the country who have been at a radio station for 20 plus years. But that's it. In the context of all the radio jocks, that's, that's not a lot. So 
it's a big deal. Um, I'm 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 glad that I've gotten a paycheck for 20 years. That's that's my big takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> what was? But thank you, Brandon. I appreciate. Oh that. no, yeah, no problem. What's that thing you were shouting? I saw a, a, a thing in Instagram or something like that. Is that is that a a, a thing you? do are known for well so every day at 4 35 it's change times but i try to play a song like that you know but you don't hear much anymore and so Mm -hmm. when i was putting this together 15 years ago i was like oh we gotta have a name but i don't want it to be a boring name and i don't want to be a play of the day and i want to be like an hey here's our oh wow song so somebody texted anonymously just said hey call doo-doo time spectacular (laughs) <laughs> and I, was like, I love that i love that idea because then like this is like a feature that the sales staff at, at dc 101 have to go and sell in the corporate setting so i got endless amount of enjoyment and giggles thinking about somebody you know in their business suit or their dress or whatever having to go in and give a powerpoint presentation and they go hey and also every afternoon uh we have a doo-doo time spectacular feature that we can sell that you you know it's a wildly popular so i just love corporate people in a room because i just didn't want to do anything corporate with my life which is how i ended up doing what i do mm-hmm. so just having to think of corporate people getting together and talking seriously about something called doo-doo time spectacular is fantastic <laughs> now did i know that in my late 40s i would still be screaming <laughs> doo-doo time spectacular into a microphone I did not think of that in my my early 30s, late 20s. There's the rub. So the joke was actually on me. And now uh, I get to gleefully tell my mom, this is what I do for a living. And she is so proud. She gets so <laughs> proud. My mom, my, my, my son yells, do time spectacular on the radio. Yes, he's in his late 40s. Yes, 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 yes. I'm very proud. You can bring him back. It's like, oh, you know, uh, back when he was potty training, you know, it was always there. It's kind of. Instead of saying, Mom, I need you to wipe me, you just kind of yell out, Doo Doo Time Spectacular! Time Spectacular! <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. It is time to do the do. What the f is this? <clears throat> Doo Doo Time Spectacular. There's a special occasion here in the do. I actually had three songs that I would much rather have done than today's do, but we've got some sort of reality film crew in here filming Doo Doo Time Spectacular for some reason today. Look for that on a website near you. So we had to pick a song that I knew all the lyrics to, I think. We also probably shouldn't have done this the day after I did the Doo Doo Time Spectacular yell seven consecutive times. So not really good planning on anybody's part. But we're here now, so let's do it up. And by do it up, I mean Doo Doo Time! Welcome to Season 8, Episode 24 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Lost Dog track, Hold On, with returning guest and podcaster DJ in his own right, Roach. Hello. 
Brandon, thanks for having me back on. I, I, I would say that my my first episode was so successful that you had me back. But as we record this, my first episode hasn't aired yet. So I'm not even sure. If yeah, I would that's uh, <laughs> it's just in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks. By the time people listen to this, they'll know it's 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 anticipation. You know, it's the uh, getting renewed for a second season before the first season even uh, airs. You know, I can't applaud you more on your uh, your back end planning uh, as somebody who does a Pearl Jam podcast where the reason we don't post more is because we forget to post episodes and record episodes. I just look at you and how, how much planning and meticulousness you use, and I just go, man, I wish I had Brandon's stick-to-itiveness, because then we would actually release episodes consistently. So bravo <laughs> to you, Brandon. Bravo. Oh, well, thanks. I, I, I miss a week uh, here and there, and that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a one-man band here over here, so it's, it's, it's bound to We have two to people, and we miss months. Yeah. So, uh, again... <laughs> appreciation to you well thanks it's uh it's it's a uh, appreciation society all around here um so let's see we got this song written by stone ed did the lyrics of course if you're if if uh everybody is opening up their their liner notes for lost dogs uh it says that it's a versus outtake however dave Cruson is playing the drums and rick parashar produced it which would make you think um, this is from 10 and not from Versus. So what are you trying to pull here? Yeah, this song definitely got the alone treatment where mm -hmm. it was a couple of songs kind of made their way through. Alone is the, is the most popular one because that, that actually even extended to the next album and yet still, yeah. didn't, didn't, still didn't end up on uh, any studio release before Lost Dogs, that is. And so, yeah, it's, it's, there were definitely a batch of songs these guys were super creative uh, in late 90, 91 and in 92. And it just felt like they just had a batch of songs that they just kept going. This is good enough for an album. They weren't wrong. Just some of them didn't end up on albums. And this this is one of them. Yeah. And it it's something that came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody really knew that it existed. I don't think there were any rumors of, oh, there's this uh, track that uh, was left off the album that people didn't know about. And like you listen to it and it is like, it's like, oh, yeah, this is like hardcore early pearl jam 10 era there's uh you know ed with his lyrics that are not rhyming and then kind of rhyming in it which was uh, a signature of the time and uh of course you know you have to to point out that the uh the chorus is held on not hold on so which is the title which i i think is kind of a song called held on i don't know if it sounds as good as the title as hold on no agreed but then you know the the course so that's kind of weird agreed and you you totally hit the nail on the head where like by 2003 we had gone through all of the 10 era stuff and ringed every last ounce of enjoyment from it and we're still trying to you know hold that empty water bottle over our heads going come on give me another drop mm -hmm. and so when 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 hold on came out it was like wait a second how have they just been sitting on this song for 12 years and nobody knew about it and even like like alone is a is a is a solid song but it it never got the full production treatment so it always sounded like a demo this song feels fully formed fully produced and you're just like how are they just sitting on this awesome song for 12 years without anybody ever finding it out and I'm saying that as, you know, Pearl Jam fans were scouring things looking for stuff. If, mm -hmm. there was a, if it existed, 
Pearl Jam fans were going to dig it up and find it, and yet nobody found Hold On until 2003. So great job by the band, and it was just like, wow, all right, there's stuff in that vault, which gives me hope in 2021, 2022, where it's like, okay, there's stuff in the vault, maybe. You never know, because they held on the Hold On for 12 years. Yeah, but then uh, you might get something like a Sweet Lou or something that's kind of like, okay, right, maybe right, that right. is... Uh... <laughs> Which I guess is always the joke, the the joke song, people, uh, the the punchline. I think for uh, this album at least, or or compilation, I guess it's a the the collection of B sides. Yeah, but you know the thing about this album and talking about Lost Dogs, there's some great songs on here. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's definitely feel like, and I, especially disc two, we start really getting into okay, now we're just like the B girl thing, which is is a great piece of music but it's not a song it's it's something they goofed around and then released that feels like a b-side mm-hmm. songs like this songs like sad songs like down fatal these are like these are not b-sides these are great songs that a lot of bands and artists would kill to have had written and put on the best album they ever released and yeah you know just the the, the, the testament to the band is hey these are songs that we couldn't even find places for on our music on our albums yeah, I think for a lot of bands, like it's kind of B-side is, I guess, a dirty word, but it's kind of like, ah, you know, this is a song that we recorded and uh, it's no good. <laughs> and so we're right. going to hold on to that. And then Pearl Jam, I mean, even from the beginning, you know, you get like Wash and Footsteps. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, my gosh, like these are, you know, we're left off the album. And, you know, you got all these other songs, you know, Alone, like you said. And it's it's just sort of like, wow, like. I guess there just wasn't enough room on the album to, right. to to put all this stuff. I think I think the best thing you could say is Yellow Ledbetter was a smash hit song that is still played on the radio to this day. Mm-hmm. It is also one of the band's signature songs and the generally assumed closer for every Pearl Jam show. And yet it's a B-side that ends up on this Lost Dogs compilation. It's all it's it's puzzling. Another puzzling thing. I guess you could say, oh, man, that was a great. Yeah, that's it's one of the reasons we is, love the band. Is, uh, if uh, you're looking for uh, live versions of this song and you happen to go to PearlJam.com. Good luck. <laughs> uh, it's going to give you a bunch of uh, it's going to say, oh, yeah, the first time I played it was uh, April 11th, 1994. Um, and, and that's OK. So pull that apart, Brandon. Pull that pull that apart, Brandon, because that's not that's no, not the not. case. <laughs> That's a that that's an improv where he says hold on a couple times, but it's not this song. Oh, oh. 
And then there's also a list of a bunch of other 2000 uh, era bootlegs where it says that this song was performed, but I think those are like just different improvs that for some reason the algorithm okay. on their uh, so- on their website kind of assigned those songs to this, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so let me ask you a question. Does that make the does that make pearljam.com fallible? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like so you you would think to yourself, "Oh, anything at pearljam.com is now that is that is scripture and whatever is said there is now infallible and whenever we need to settle an argument, we go to pearljam.com, we we look it up and if it's in there, hey, the band wanted it there, so it's there." But we can now we can now burst holes in that theory by by using this hold on as an example, because you, as you said, that 94 thing was an improv where he mm-hmm. says, hold on. It is 100 percent not the song. Hold on. Yeah, it's it's either some coding or like I said, algorithm thing, or maybe it's um, algorithm or yeah. maybe they took it from another website or something like that. Like uh, maybe like the old concert chronologies or something like that. Maybe they said it's like, oh, the song is called hold on. And like, oh, we don't know. We don't have the set list for that. Oh, they say it's hold on because it was improv or whatever. So they enter it in and it just gets thrown in there on that page because of that or something. I bring that up because, because you know, I don't know. I don't know if you know this or not, Brandon, but sometimes Pearl Jam fans can get up on a high horse and ride oh, yeah. into this. <laughs> so in researching for this episode of the Better Band podcast, I was looking at, I was watching and listening to the different versions of this song that are available. And there are a number of uh, recorded versions and a few, a handful of uh, live versions. There was some conversation on the YouTube comment section about Hold On. And as you said, it's it's listed in the liner notes as being from Verses. And somebody in there was actually, it's from 10. And then a Pearl Jam fan who, and this again is going to shock you, Brandon, got up on their high horse. <laughs> said to them said no man the band says it's in the liner notes and if it's in the liner notes then why are you going against the band and it's like okay you know maybe sometimes the band makes a mistake i know that's crazy to say but maybe once in a while there's a clerical or algorithm <laughs> or a miswritten thing where the band might make a mistake and this is an example of that on a number of levels levels it hasn't been played live 13 times and also it, it didn't appear for the first time or wasn't recorded for the first time for verses mm-hmm. nothing wrong with making a mistake like we can acknowledge yeah it, though, can't I, we? it could be like uh back back in the old days with uh old marvel comics where they make a mistake and uh then there's the uh the the book the no prize where right. you send it in it's kind of like okay this isn't really a mistake uh what they meant was and try to explain <laughs> away and uh it's the, the Pearl Jam knows no prize that you can yeah, get for it. Right, right. So yeah, that's it's now let's talk about hold on because I feel like all I've done is ripped on on Pearl Jam fan, <laughs> which is a theme in my in my podcast. So I don't want to bring that here. Um, it's a it's a first of all, it's a as you said, it's a Vetter Gossard thing, which at the time was was the thing. And I always said to my mom, who was a big Beatles fan, you know, she was always like Lennon McCartney, greatest songwriting doodle of all time. Of course, mm-hmm. she is absolutely right. But me in 1991 trying to have my own thing was like, you know, better Gossard is the new Lennon McCartney. So uh, that might have been an overstatement, Brandon. Not really <laughs> sure. Maybe some people might disagree. I might be one of them, but maybe it, Lennon McCartney was a bigger songwriting duo. But at the time where the song was written, it was really, hey, Stone wrote this kick ass music and Ed put some kick ass lyrics on it. And this was one of those songs. And I just I think this is a 
This is such a great song. And when I first heard it back in 03, my initial thoughts were, how the hell did this not end up on 10? Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's an amazing song. It's it's I think in in, in my pro in my podcast, uh Jamily Matters, which is available wherever you got this podcast, we are we are doing a long term project of ranking all of the Pearl Jam songs. Not every episode, but we just jump in every once in a while and go, here's our updated rankings. And we're just starting out on it. This song is gonna be top fifty for me, which you know may not seem like that big of a deal until you start thinking about all the Pearl Jam songs, number one. And then you think about all the Pearl Jam songs that are on albums, number two. And then you think about these, this song being basically a here, this is a song we had laying around, go listen to it now 12 years later. So for a song like that to end up in the top 50, I think tells you how much I really, really enjoy this song. Mm-hmm. And so having said that, and I'm going to ask you this, I don't see any way this song gets on 10, which is ridiculous to say because it's a great song, but then when you start going, okay, this is one of the best albums of all time, that is not in a subjective statement, that is an objective statement. This is one of the best albums in rock history, I'm talking about 10. Mm-hmm. Where are you, what song are you taking off to put on Hold On? Now, and that's, what I, that's the question I'll, I'll leave to you before I give a couple more thoughts. Brandon. Yeah, I don't know. It, it could be just because of like the rarity, it's a treat for everybody sort of fascination with it that, you know, we hadn't gotten it until, you know, this, that is kind of like, oh, this is like something special. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, something that we hadn't heard since 91, which adds a little bit more um, flair to it, I guess, that it's, it's, if it were on 10, I don't know if it would be as impactful mm-hmm. as it would be you know hear, hearing it uh hearing it later in their career as far as like what could have where it could have fit it possibly you know people always talk about um garden and 10 being sort of like the you know 9.1s or so in the group of you know 10.0 songs great point that's like every other song on 10 and so if it's later on in the album sort of like it is on the um on Lost Dogs, like it's the second to last song. It's right before Yellow Ledbetter on the first disc. Like if you have like this leading into release, it could possibly be something. And oh, it could be like a nice little uh, uh, pair there. It's like hold on and then release. And that's like a very, oh, that's uh, great. That's a great idea. That's a great. I never thought about that. That's a, that is an awesome statement. But then again, all the other songs, except for Why Go, are single title things, which I don't know if i don't think that was a uh, uh intentional at all but it's still but still only six letters for hold on so it's not <laughs> like you, you you didn't go elderly woman on it it's yeah. not like they're going oh it's only six letters in the in the song uh that's a great that's a great point uh, the way the thing that i always thought was and and i loved your comment about hey we've only had this song since 2003 and by 2003 as i said we were just like fiending for like something that was released around 10 mm-hmm. that was we hadn't heard before. So yeah, I've definitely had less time with this song than say Why Go. My thought process is the tempo of the song. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. So for me, Deep and Garden are just one tier below every other song on 10. So your first, my first knee-jerk thought is, well, if I like Hold On better than Deep and Garden, well, then put that, put one of those out and put hold on in and away we go. Yeah, yeah. But when we're thinking about it objectively and we're thinking about a full album enjoyment experience, 
the tempo of hold on is more in line with why go and and once especially but also alive and even flow and i don't like another song on that tempo might have been like excess at that point and so mm-hmm. that's where i kind of think to myself if there's only two songs i'm thinking of replacing on an iconic album like 10 and it's deep and garden and this song is definitely different in mood and tempo from those two songs well, then I could see why the band would go, yeah, no, I, I need I need those types of songs on the album. We've got enough of the hold on types of songs on the album. So unfortunately, hold on gets gets kicked. Yeah, it is. It is. It's on the higher end of mid tempo, which I, I yes. think that they've said that it's, you know, 10 had a lot of it. You know, there's Alive and Garden and Deep a little bit. And it's kind of you have all those songs and if you you know that's i think why they said uh alone wasn't on there mm-hmm. and uh you know this song too is kind of like ah, oh, you know it, it is it's kind of like oh you know you're a rocking band you want to make sure you have some ebbs and flows in the album as far as tempo goes and stuff to try to you know get people to stay uh engaged in it because if it's just the same thing you know same tempo the whole thing the whole way through it's kind of like uh you know it can wash over you and you're not paying right. attention to it Absolutely. And so I think it was the right, right call. I also think it was the right call. You know, as you move into the verses era, this song are, for me, if, I, if I'm the band and I'm listening to this song and then I go in to start recording uh, verses, this song already feels a little dated. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like old and crusty, but it, it doesn't feel like where they were going, even if they weren't, they weren't 100% sure that they, that's where they were going yet. But it feels a little dated, even more so than Alone, which got even further along in the process, the versus process, than, than Hold On did. But it still feels like, yeah, you know what? We, we don't want to be just the band making these huge arena anthem type songs. And this felt like a huge arena anthem type song. So I could see why it, it, it kind of got left behind early in the versus process as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that, uh, and, and, and here's my, my no prize application for uh, why it says it's a versus <laughs> outtake on... Uh, in the uh in the liner notes um when on the versus reissue where the acoustic demo uh was released on it which is phenomenal as well by the way it's phenomenal yeah i think i think that that acoustic version was possibly considered for versus where they got that sort of information and why it was released on there yeah as a as a way to try to okay let's try something different with it then to see if it'll fit on verses, because like you said, it, it does feel a little bit dated. Mm-hmm. If we do it acoustic, though, kind of, you know, elderly woman, daughterish sort of inspiration behind it, maybe it'll work on this album then. But we already have daughter and elderly woman, which yeah. turned out to be, you know, A plus songs. So again, I could see why that and you're right, the an acoustic or, or a slower version of of Hold On sounded great. And I could see why it would be bandied about. But again, when you put it up against the songs that it's up against, yeah, nah, I'm not taking Daughter or Elderly Woman off of verses to put a, a slower version or a stripped down version of Hold On on this. And I, I think the bigger point that I'm trying to make, and I, we, I went back and before we started talking, uh, thinking about Binaural and the songs that didn't make the cut for Binaural that are on Lost Dogs that I think are better than the songs are Binaural. And that kind of frustrates and annoys me a little bit. <laughs> I can't say that about Hold On. It is a great song that just didn't fit in the couple of stages where it was it was up to bats. Mm-hmm. And it stinks. And 
uh, you know, it, it song might have had a bigger exposure to more people that because that if, if it ended up on those songs, on those albums, but I totally get why it didn't. Like, what song are you taking off of, of verses to put Hold On on? Either version. I, I'm not taking any of them off. Yeah, yeah. And it just goes to the reservoir of music that the band had, and I'll say it still has, where songs like this are getting kicked around that any musician would kill to have written and to put on an album. And this band just goes, yeah, no, I mean, it's a great song, but we don't have any room for it. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, that's not Pearl Jam. That's the song Chan Chan by the Buena Vista Social Club off their self-titled album that came out in 1997. Written by Compe Segundo, he said that I didn't compose Chan Chan, I dreamt it. I dream of music. Sometimes I wake up with a melody in my head. I hear the instruments all very clear. I look over the balcony and I see nobody, but I hear it as if it was played on the street. I don't know what it can be. One day I woke up hearing those four sensitive notes. I gave them a lyric inspired by a children's tale from my childhood, Juanica y Chan Chan. And you see, now it's sung everywhere. Going through and editing this episode, I have it in my notes and totally forgot to mention this fact. So that's why I had to sneak in and put this in. Too, it is sort of of an age back in the 10 era just because so it does feel kind of um uh not wandering uh it's 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 just kind of it doesn't seem very thought out it does feel kind of like oh just making up the words on the spot a little bit which i think kind of goes with the somewhere some lines rhyme some lines don't um it's about you know loss and kind of you know right having getting uh losing someone that you love or something like that so true thematically it's it's definitely of the era of 10 absolutely yeah although and look let's just hypothetical you and i are in a band brandon and you wrote hold on and we and three albums later not only are we have we not released hold on on an album we're not playing the song live and i'm just saying to you brandon every show hey maybe we maybe we dust off hold on today maybe mm-hmm. we dust. and every show you just go nah man nah no for 12 years you just have this song and like <laughs> I, look i get not making an album cut you don't even play it live like you, you've got this banger of an anthemic song that you can just 
you got hanging in your back pocket that you can play whenever you want. And for 12 years, you just go, nah, bro, don't don't need it. Don't need it. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Let me ask you a question about let me ask you a question about the lyrics. Uh-huh. As we've said, there are there are a few versions of this song. The version that is is on Lost Dogs, which, you know, I don't know, like maybe this is a question for just the next question. Is are these were these vocals recorded, do you think, for Lost Dogs? Or do you think they were recorded at some point between the 10 version, which is totally different? I don't want to say totally different lyrics, but it's definitely a different vocal. And the release of Lost Dogs? Or do you think that it was recorded? Like, did Ed lay down the lyrics for the Lost Dogs version of Hold On 2000-2003 era? Uh, I don't know. I do know. I I, I don't I, either. That's what I'm just, uh, just speculation. Yeah, I mean, you listen to the acoustic demo and like that is definitely, you know, younger Ed, the way that he's singing, 100%. the way that he's singing on that. Like this one, it does feel sort of like the timeless. I don't I don't know if it has that sort of more, I guess, raw 10 sort of sound to it. It could be, you know, the production and stuff just kind of, you know, maybe it was sort of, oh, you know, this is the first take or something like that. So not really into how he's going to sing it because they hadn't done it, you know, 50 times or something like that. And so it is uh, uh, more reserved maybe in that respect. Right. So you can't really get a feel of the era of, uh, of vocals that Ed is when in this version. I know a life would be different if I And if you listen to the 09 live version from Philly, it sounds really, really close to the version that's on Lost Dogs, which makes me think that it was recorded l- later in the 90s or even the early 2000s. Because if you listen to like the hits, just the 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 power of his vocals is not the same. It's, mm-hmm. I should say not the same. It's different than it was if you listen to the the, the actual bootlegs from the shows in, in the early 90s which just comes with age and it's no, no slight to Ed, but it sounds very similar in the 09 live version to yeah, the 03 yeah. recorded version that we got on Lost Dogs.
just something to think about if 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 somebody listening is thinking to themselves interesting there is a version of the 10 outtake that is available uh easily on youtube where it, it definitely sounds like it was recorded of that time my, my favorite line from the song is the line that I'm about to give you and then put it in my pocket when it should have been framed, which I just think is just a fantastic line where it's just like, you gave me something valuable and I should have framed it and put it up on the wall and just looked at it as a piece of art. And instead, I just stuffed it in my pocket. I just mm -hmm. I love the imagery of that. Here's the thing. And this is the question to you. So we've talked about three different versions. There's a 10 outtake version. There is a more acoustic uh, version recorded for verses. And then there's the, the version that we got on Lost Dogs that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. He says something different in every, the, the line before put it in my pocket when, I when it should have been framed is different every time. In one time, it's gave it all away, put it in my pocket when it should have been framed. Gave her love away, put it in my pocket when it should have been framed. Gave her life away, which is the version that's on Lost Dogs. Gave her mm -hmm. life away, put it in my pocket when it should have been framed. Which one, which one hits a little harder for you? Probably, I don't know, probably love. It probably, I think, fits in a little bit more with the, um, with the rest of the lyrics, the sort of theme. I guess of it, but, but, but maybe that's just me trying, you know, relating back to the, uh, the kid I was when, you know, 10 was released and you feel and, you know, lovesick and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of, Oh, you know, they really speak to me. Oh, that sort of, of, yep. of, uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. Cause that's exactly what I thought was gave her love away, put it in my pocket when I should have been framed as you just got dumped by a girl because you screwed up yeah, yeah. and you're blasting these slow songs or these love songs or these I've lost somebody songs to bring all the tears out while you're sitting in your room crying over this girl that you screwed up over with. Gave her love away is what is like, I did give her love away. I put it in my pocket when it should have been framed. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm the same way. So yeah, look, gave her life away is fantastic. And again, it's my favorite lyric of this song, which I really, really love. It's just uh, it was just interesting that he's he switched it up a few times, which Ed is known to do. But gave her life away works just as well in this context of the thing. But that's mm -hmm. that's those are hands down my favorite lyrics of this song. Yeah, I, I think this song like would fit real well in the sort of early 90s you know when top 40 has rock and yep. it has you know pop and all that sort of stuff so it's 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 got all the genres in there like yep. playing at a middle school dance when everybody's listening to different stuff and you can kind of slow dance a little bit to it and you're like i'm sorry oh this is gonna last forever <laughs> because we're you know in eighth grade and we're gonna be freshmen i don't know it is um it, it's a great shout because you're right like black is basically an updated version of a of a power ballad from a hairband, mm -hmm. which I don't think has ever been said about Pearl Jam ever, but here we are. <laughs> and it's true. And thematically, Hold On and Black are like right in the same lane. Mm -hmm. However, Hold On isn't, it, it, it's, it stretches the limits of what you would call a power ballad if you want to put it in the, like if somebody said Hold On is a power ballad, I'd go, mm, but then they would make a case and I would go, yeah, lyrically, it feels like a power ballad, but you know, musically, sonically, it's it's really on the edge of of slowness to make it a power ballad. But thematically, Black and Hold On are are like the same song, or at least singing about the same things. Yeah, I think with the mic sort of harmony 
line in the chorus like that has a real sort of power ballad feel to it but then you get that yep. one part where like jeff has a little bass noodling in there yeah no that's not and i think like the um the pre-chorus like the descending sort of uh uh progression right there and it's kind of like oh yeah oh yeah we're building up we're building up and and then i think like definitely the yes. end at least of the recorded version where you know you kind of have the the real syncopated hits there which i like it's like oh yeah and like you know if they did that live that would be awesome but it's kind of you know they're not playing it all the time i think if they did then they you know would hit the dun dun Uh, you know they all did that Yeah, ex- yeah, that'd be the big end. Yeah, that and that's a that's a that's a classic power ballad. End is that dun dun dun. All right, so uh, yeah, black is a power ballad is my takeaway. A hairband power ballad is my takeaway <laughs> from this episode. <laughs> um, going back, going back to the lyrics, it's it's it, it's either I was drawn or I was born uh, riding atop a black horse. Of of course, you, great imagery. Uh, are going to go back to uh revelation six uh when the uh, third seal opens up and you have the rider on a black horse of course with the scales and a quart of wheat uh which uh i guess is supposed to signify that this is a uh, famine here i don't know if that has any reference at all or any uh <laughs> relation to the song or well, that's, <laughs> if that's just something that i kind of put it's together. great imagery Right. And it's great imagery. But and, you know, the funny as you as you're describing that, I'm just thinking to myself, man, this is like a Hetfield type visual that you're mm-hmm. drawing up, Brandon. And I'm like, oh, Ed, Eddie Vedder as a as a Het, what Hetfield type like imagery in his in his lyrics. That's an interesting comp, at least in my head. It was Or you know, I think there's other black horses in pop culture and stuff, too. But well, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Black Beauty. Uh, just, I don't know. For me, it always felt like. I feel like Metallica was obsessed with 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 apocalypses yeah, yeah. And, and doom and and all that uh, that kind of stuff back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, is there anything other other than just keep saying it's like, oh man, this is a real just great song. <laughs> this it rocks, it hits, it's got everything. It's got the it just gets you right in your soul listening to it and kind of left wondering. It's like, oh, is there any other gold left on there? Yeah, because then when they had the um the 10 reissues and stuff like that too, they had they had even more, you know, stuff from 10 mm-hmm. that was uh that was put out. What was it just a girl and you know, then they have brother with the actual lyrics. Right. Uh, as opposed to just the instrumental version that was put out in Lost Dogs. But that's for me, that's that's separates this song from those songs and i'll throw in alone in the old those songs category as well mm-hmm. those songs all feel like songs that were not fully formed that feel more demo-ish as opposed to this song which feels like 
Look, if this song was released as Pearl Jam's debut single, I think it would have been a hit. Mm -hmm. And you can't really say that about a lot of bands where you go, hey, the song that's been sitting in a in a vault for 12 years could have been the song that put them on the map. Instead, we just didn't hear it for 12 years. I think and I know I keep coming back to that one point, but it's to to your point, which is this is a great song, <laughs> a great song. Mm hmm. It could have if this were released instead of alive. I'm not saying it would have been alive. I'm just saying it would have been a successful song uh, for the band if it was released as the first ever song yeah. from this brand new band called Pearl Jam. This is a song called Hold On. It would have worked. And I just love I love 12 years later. We've got the quintessential 10 era, as we discussed, Ed lyrics, which we discussed, but also the quintessential 10 era Stone Gossard riff. That yeah, yeah. You know, we thought we had heard every 90s Stone Gossard, early 90s Stone Gossard riff. And then this riff gets laid on us and you're like, holy shit, this guy had so many just banger riffs that he had in his head uh, for for that three, four year period. Not saying he lost it, but for that three, four year period, he just had huge riffs. Mm -hmm. And that's all he wrote, which was fantastic. Man. <laughs> what, more can, what more can you say? Right. Right. <laughs> You know, and again, I'll make one last point on this point that I've said a hundred times. How mm -hmm. do you how do you do shows where you literally only had 60 minutes worth of material? Like you literally yeah, were playing yeah. every song, you know, and not go, hey, why don't we just play this hold on song? Because we need to fill out an hour and 10 minutes set and we only have 60 minutes worth of music. And Ed, it, and because it has to be Ed, because he did the he did the, the set list then and now Ed just goes, nah, yeah. You start busting out, you know, you, you write leash and you start playing that early and then right. it's kind of, oh man, I can't remember. I don't have the the set list or uh, uh, the stats in front of me, but it's like, I think they did, bro they did brother a couple times, I think. Maybe, uh, maybe did just a girl once. I think they did or... brother a couple of times. They, they would do Sonic Reducer. Yeah. They did just a girl a handful yeah, of times. Yeah. And they also never did Yellow Ledbetter, which I know was written a little bit later, but they still never did Yellow Ledbetter to, till Versus. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, you know, the band's awesome. I think I think we all know that, but the band's awesome. And just these these little things that I just think about just reinforces the fact that first of all, they're they're creatively some of the most genius people that have ever walked the face of the earth. And then the thoughts and the process that they had that that they would just have these songs and not only not release them, but never play them and then just kind of have them out here as songs. Just it blows my mind and it just makes me realize it just reinforces what I love about this band and just the creativity of it all yeah if if it had been out do you think that it would have been making such an impact as you know as the the prestige busting it out you know like the rabbit out of the hat or whatever it's like oh here it is no i think it would have been why go which was you know if if we look at the life cycle of why go first of all it's i mean people it's a it's a great song and people love it and it rightfully so because it's fantastic and when they first started touring, it was a staple of their set list. And, and you know, over the years, it started to just fall off. But when it gets dusted off, everybody loses their mind. I yeah, think yeah. it would have been Why Go. I think it would have, think Hold On would have had the same life cycle. Just a song off of 10 that people go, hey, you like Alive and Jeremy and Evenflow? You should listen to Why Go. That's, it would be the same thing with Hold On. So it's a little bit more special since it's. Uh... Right. It was, uh, you know, put in a frame instead of uh, put in your pocket. Oh, right. look at that. Oh, bringing it around. Thank, thank you for giving Ooh. me the feels. Thank you by, by quoting my <laughs> I was going to say, give me chills. Ooh, <laughs> give myself goosebumps. <laughs>
so let's uh let's wrap it up then uh we know we know how you got into pearl jam we know what pearl jam means to you uh something that people are clamoring for is uh, what are your pearl jam album rankings and we got to start from the bottom because you know as the numbers get smaller the hits get bigger (laughs) thanks casey we're counting them down (laughs) um First of all, Brandon, you threw this out to me, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I'll just, I'll give, I'll give you the, I'll give you the rankings." And then I started doing them moments before we started recording this episode, and I was like, "You know what? I probably should spend a little more time on this because this is harder than I thought." It would be. This is a, this is a thing where I've aced the class all semester, and then the final comes, and I go, "I don't need to study. I'm gonna go out and party." And then I look at the test, and I'm like, "I didn't study any of this stuff, and I'm screwed <laughs> now." So this was, this was harder than I thought it would be. And I will say to you that I tried to be objective about it in my rankings. And I, I went, I, I'll explain a little bit and I, briefly, because I know this isn't the theme of the episode, but I'll, exp- I'll briefly explain why certain albums might be higher or lower than if I were to rank them subjectively. So I'm ready when you are, Brandon. Where do you want me to start at the bottom? Yeah, we're going to we're going to start at the bottom. And of course, this always comes with the disclaimer that, you know, uh, results may change according to, yes, uh, you know, weather or, uh, you know, what you're listening to at the time, what you had for breakfast. <laughs> who knows? So it's don't 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 hold anything against him. Yeah, please. And also don't hold it against me if your favorite song is my 11th song or my, your favorite album is my 11th album, because we're all Pearl Jam fans. All these albums are great, in my opinion. And this is some of the best music ever made. And somebody has to finish last. And in this case, what finished last, ironically enough, is Pearl Jam, the album. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, uh, as I said in my podcast, Jamly Matters, this album is an awesome what could have been. I feel like there are a lot of pieces of every song that were great. On the whole, most of the songs didn't cross the finish line for me and left me feeling like this song could have been a little better. This song was good. It could have been a little better. And uh, so that's the reason uh, it ends up number 11 for me on my top 11 Pearl Jam album. I- number 10. I was going to say, do I have some sort of sounder that's going to give Brett Ladd it off? I don't, have, I don't have my soundboard uh, plugged number, in. Sorry, I can't give you a, a, a timpani <laughs> or something. <laughs> Num- number 10 for me is Lightning Bolt. And I really, I, I enjoyed Lightning Bolt when it came out. Uh, much like Avocado, I don't revisit it nearly as much as I revisit the rest of the, song, of the albums on this list. Mm-hmm. I was very accepting of Lightning Bolt as, okay, this is my favorite band 20, 20 plus years in. I'm glad they're still making music and I'm glad there's a couple of songs on here that I like. That's, and I was totally comfortable and grateful to have that. My band could have broke up after the third album. So I was glad to get Lightning Bolt and I was glad there were a couple of flourishes of creativity that I enjoyed on this album. I will tell you, I am so thankful for Gigaton because it renewed my faith that this band is not done. Mm -hmm. It felt like Lightning Bolt, Pearl Jam was winding down. Gigaton feels like, no, we're not winding down. So Lightning Bolt is number 10 on my my ranking. Number nine. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I pressed the button on the the soundboard and it didn't (laughs) fire off. And now I'm like, we got a problem. Call the engineer. (laughs) Um, So my number nine is Binaural. And it's really, again, this is subjective. Binaural ranks low for me because of what what it could have been. And I think it just, it could have been, it's a good album that could have been a great album if you took a couple of songs that I don't like, which I won't get into here, and replaced them with the songs that ended up on the album that we're talking about, Lost Dogs. 
if you had taken two, three of the songs recorded for Binaural that end up on Lost Dogs and put them on, on Binaural, take off a couple of the other songs, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. But they didn't, and I hold that against them. That's subjective. That's why Binaural is my number nine. Number eight. Wow, much better. I got off right <laughs> A song, an album that was lower ranked than me, but is is slowly climbing the charts. It's Riot Act. For me, Riot Act felt very plodding when it came out. I was uh, accepting of Riot Act, but not enthralled by it. But as we broke down Riot Act on Jamly Matters and, and ranked the songs, I, I appreciated it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite Pearl Jam songs of all time are on Riot Act, and the songs that I kind of dismissed, I looked at in a whole new light. So number eight with a bullet is Riot Act from Pearl Jam. Number seven. For me, my the most underrated Pearl Jam album is my number seven, which is Backspacer. I love Backspacer. I think it's a great album. I love how tight it is. I love how fast it is. But I also love one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs of all time is Unthought Known. Another one of my favorite songs of all time is Amongst the Waves. Both of them end up on this album, put in Just Breathe. I love Johnny Guitar. Like, this is just a really, really, really fun and good and fulfilling album for me. And I think people underrate it and think it's crap. And I'm talking about, you know, maybe non-Pearl Jam fans or passerby Pearl Jam fans. But for me, I love Backspacer. I was so glad to get it. And it is my song number seven or my album number seven. Number six is No Code, which in our last episode of Jamming Matters, we talked about No Code. As we record this, it was right around the 25th anniversary of the release of the album. And I said in that episode that after 10, this is probably the most important Pearl Jam album because it reset the template of what Pearl Jam is as a band. And we're no longer the grunge band and we're no longer interested in being the biggest band in the world. And we're Mm -hmm. no longer interested in ticket sales and blah, 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 blah. This reset all that musically and obviously everything that happened as far as the marketing promotion and and touring behind No Code. It's a really, really good album. And I remember listening to it and when they did reset going, wow, this album doesn't sound like a grungy album, but I like it, which helped expand my musical tastes as well. So I'm appreciative of No Code. Uh, That's why it's my song or my album numbers. I keep saying song because we rank songs on Pearl. (laughs) It's my album number six. Number five. This is totally subjective, Brandon, <laughs> and it's totally recency bias. But I love no co- I love Gigaton. I love Gigaton. And it's ranked way too high here. It should be at least <laughs> behind no code. It should at least behind be behind no code. But because I was so, so fulfilled by the Gigaton experience, mm-hmm. it ranks number five. It is a great album. Is it a classic album? No. It is a great album by Pearl Jam. And for guys in their 50s after 30 years of doing this to be able to release music like this, it just, man, it gets me so energized and excited and just, it gives me goosebumps that they were able to release this kind of music at the ages they are, at the length of the band has been, and just, it's, it gets me so excited for the future of the band. Because again, in Lightning Bolt, I was just happy they were still together. And now I'm like, wow, they're going to be releasing songs that I love coming mm-hmm. up in the future. Thank you, Gigaton. I have to overrank it right now. It's at album number five. Number four. Vitology, which I had, honestly, a little bit of trouble kind of slotting in because, as we said, in the Vitology uh, when we were talking Vitology in the last segment, the Speed Bumps are disrupt my enjoyment of this album. 
And so I was like, well, because they disrupt my enjoyment of the album, I should lower it in the rankings. But I can't because objectively, these are great. This is a great set of songs. Corduroy obviously is a signature song for the band. And mm-hmm. even like, like I just, I, I love Last Exit. I love Whippin'. Immortality is a great power ballad. No, Nothing Man is a, is a great slow song. It's just, it's just great songs. And I remember listening to it for the rankings on Jamley Matters. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a set of, a run of songs where you're just like, holy shit, they are blowing my face off with this, this run of songs. And it's great. So while subjectively I want to lower it because of boxy mop handle mm-hmm. and things like that, objectively I can't. It's a, just an all-time great album. And you know, so it's album number four for me. Now the top three. <laughs> number three is Versus and... You know, I, I said No Code is the second most important album. If you're going to make a case for most important albums, I would say it's No Code. I would say it's Avocado because of what was going on behind the scenes as they were doing it independently. Mm-hmm. But I also have to put verses in that most important conversation after 10 because of the fact of anybody can, you have your yeah. whole life to write an album. You have 18 months to write your second album. A lot of pressure on the band. They were the biggest band in the world right at that moment. Who knows where it could have gone. And so to then hit an absolute grand slam on your follow-up to a huge album uh, with verses. You can't, you can't really deny the fact that they were a band that was going to be here for a while. And that it gets established on verses, not 10. So verses is just a great album. We talked about it in the hold on conversations. It's sung, it's album number three, and it's rightfully where it is because it is a incredible album. Number two. Subjectively. <laughs> it's 10. I mean, there's really not much you can say about 10. It, it was the introduction. It was the, the start of the, the entire ride that is now 30 plus years in. It is incredible. It was life-changing. And then, that's not an exaggeration. 10, the album, literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that this album was made. I'm so thankful for this band. I'm so thankful for everything that is given to me. I work in music. I work in music because my love of music started at 10. So I, when I literally say it changed my life, it changed my life. Yeah. It gave me everything. So that's what 10 means to me. I don't know how it didn't end up at number one, but it didn't. It's my album number two. <laughs> Coming in at number one. You have to say it if you're a, if you consider yourself a Pearl Jam fan and you get up on your high horse like Pearl Jam fans do, like I definitely do, Yield is your favorite Pearl Jam album. If you put 10 at number one, your high horse Pearl Jam fans, of which there are many, will knock you by going, of course you pick 10 as your number one. So you don't (laughs) put 10 at your number one. You put it at your number two, and then you put Yield as your number one. And I am no better than those high horse Pearl Jam fans because I'm right up there with you putting (laughs) Yield at number one. Yield is everything great about Pearl Jam. There are some homages back to the the 10 era. There are some grunge type songs. Mm -hmm. There are some songs that are in from the no code era, but it also lays the groundwork for everything that was to come from the band. To me, No Code was the experiment that led to Yield, which is the finished product of this is everything that we are as a band in one complete collection of work. It's magnificent. It is perfect. And even though it has some speed bumps like Vitology has, they even refined the speed bumps to make them more manageable and easy to go over so that I only have to slow down to 15 miles an hour rather than the full 
five miles an hour and bust up my grill <laughs> to get over the speed bump. So even the speed bumps were smoothed out and perfected. It is a perfect album. It is the best Pearl Jam album. If aliens came down from Mars and said, tell me about Pearl Jam, I would not play 10. I would play Yield because it is a better representation of everything that the band was, is, and will become all rolled up into one, into a perfect set of songs. Yield easily my number one album from the band. He transitioned away from speed bumps and into roundabouts. Round, this is a nice little roundabout. We're not slow. We don't have to stop, but we're slowing down just to enjoy the ride a little more. Yeah, improve the flow of traffic. Exactly. Roach, thanks for coming on. Go ahead. People have to have fallen in love with you from 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 listening to, of course, your appearances on my podcast. So if they want to slum it and listen to other stuff you do, go ahead and, uh, you know, let let people know about those. Uh, so our, our podcast is called Jamily Matters. I've mentioned a couple of times. It's a little different structurally than Brandon's. We, we just talk about the cultural impact, the music of Pearl Jam. So whatever we feel like talking about as it relates to Pearl Jam, we talk about it. Um, we had an episode about with Matt Shea, who was the A&R record person who signed Pearl Jam to J Records. And he walks us through the process of how Avocado got made and behind the scenes with, you know, selling the band on their record label and why, you know, it was important to the band to to when they left Epic Records to join J Records, what they were going to do and how they're going to roll out and his conversations of being the media intermediary between the band and the great Clive Davis uh, and trying to get all those different personalities on the same page. Those are the kind of things we talk about, as well as. We're in the middle of a long-term project of ranking all of Pearl Jam songs subjectively for us. Myself, my co-host, Billie Jean, she, she's doing her ranking. I'm doing my ranking, and we're just trying to find out our favorite Pearl Jam songs, which is just another way for us to just to be able to talk about Pearl Jam. And that's, that's what the podcast is all about, just a way to talk about Pearl Jam. And it's, it's available uh, where you got this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, look it up. I know Pearl Jam fans hate the word jamily. Mm -hmm. And they especially hate that it's a play on family matters. But the point is, and I've done it a couple of times in this, this episode with Brandon, let's not take it too seriously. Let's have some fun talking about Pearl Jam. Let's not put them up on a pedestal and act like they are gods walking among men. They are people. Sometimes they yeah. make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to have to call them out on their mistakes. Sometimes they're going to do dumb stuff. Sometimes they're going to be a little hypocritical. I'm looking at Ed Vedder marrying Jill Vedder after writing a song called Satan's Bed about models. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we don't hate doesn't mean we hate the band doesn't mean we don't love the band any less but we just talk hopefully in a frank way but an exciting way and it all comes from a place of love and fandom about our favorite band so jamily matters is the name of the podcast brandon thank you very much for letting me plug this the that podcast and i'm hopeful so what do we got what do we got coming up in the future if i can set you up for some stuff this is lost dogs mm -hmm. so we've done have we done riot act yep so riot act's been done we're doing lost dogs what do we got in the future? Backspacers next? No, no, uh, self-titled. No, Pearl, no, Pearl Jam. Jam. Yeah. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam is next. Yeah. Uh, you won't be hearing me on those episodes, uh, whether Brendan invites me or not. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to get the invite back uh, for the Backspacer episode at some point. Oh, yeah, that'll be a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> Lost, Lost Dogs, the there's a lot of track is. on Lost Dogs. and uh, you know. It takes a while to get through Lost Dogs. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it, I, I'm excited. I love listening to these uh, because for me, it's just like 
I can go back and listen to one song and then listen to the episode. And it's great. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, other pot, like I rewatchables podcast with Bill Simmons, you have to watch a 90 minute movie and it's like, okay, I don't have that much time, but I got four minutes to listen to a Pearl Jam song mm -hmm. for Brandon's podcast. So it's great. And uh, I thank you for doing it. And I thank you for having me on. And I hopefully fingers crossed you bring me back on for, for one of the uh, backspacer tracks, preferably unthought known or amongst the ways, but really any of them. Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll definitely have you back on. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, you, you you enjoy talking with me. I do, and I hope you don't edit out me making the request. So then it's in set in stone that Roach wants to come on for one of those two episodes, <laughs> which was the reason why I brought up those two those two songs. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making. I'm locking you into a promise. <laughs> uh, I I cannot comment at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> my lawyers are advising me. I. Uh... <laughs> Thank you for having me on, Brandon. I appreciate it. The Better Brand Podcast is produced by Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Roach and as always, this is Brandon saying, Welcome futurists, cyberphiles, and the rest of you dateless wonders. <laughs>